morning and welcome. It's good to have all of you here on this fifth Sunday in Lent. For our friends worshiping online, it's a reminder to go to our website, chapelofthecross.org, and you'll find the bulletin that you can download, as well as opportunities to offer your gifts to the Lord. Just a few announcements before we begin the service today. We haven't had an Easter breakfast in a couple of years now, uh, but we're bringing it back this year between the services on Easter morning. And we really need some volunteers to step up to be able to prepare and serve that morning. So you can see more information in the Chapel Weekly, and please sign up on the volunteer table in the Commons area. Also, we look forward, um, as we look forward to Easter, um, you have the opportunity to purchase one or more Easter lilies to beautify the chancel area here. Lilies are $12.50 each, and please note that that deadline is coming up. April 11th is the deadline to purchase lilies, and more information on that is again in the Chapel Weekly. A reminder that our spring seniors and homebound worship service and lunch is coming up the week of Holy Week, Monday, April 11th. Worship begins at 11 o'clock, and lunch follows down in the gym. Uh, please sign up on the seat at the Welcome Center so that we know that you're coming. First quarter contribution statements are printed and available for you to take home today. They're in alphabetical order by last name in the boxes at the Welcome Center. Find yours and take it home with you, and please know that we are very thankful for your stewardship and the way that you support our congregation. And as we mentioned last weekend, um, uh, we are beginning to start to distribute Holy Communion um, as we uh, gather around the altar again. Now, we don't have communion at this service, but just wanted to make sure that you were aware that uh, we've begun that practice again uh, when we commune. We're also bringing back our Elder of the Week so that you can uh, get to know the men who serve on the Board of Elders at Chapel of the Cross. Just a reminder, our Elder of the Week will also be in the prayer chapel on Sundays at 1045. Please join him as he prays for those who are on our prayer list. This week, our Elder of the Week is Paul Bremeyer. That's Paul. There he is. That's good. And he will be greeting you after, as you leave church this morning. And then one final announcement. Um, I wanted to take the opportunity to let you all know that I have received and accepted a call to serve at Concordia University uh, in Texas. I will be a professor of music and chair of the music department at Concordia University, Texas. I know that's kind of uh, uh, shocking and surprising, and, and uh, we feel that too. It was a, a fast transition for us um, uh, in terms of this process. But we're very thankful for it and for God's faithfulness in it. We will remain in ministry here uh, through the rest of the academic year at Concordia Seminary. I've served at Concordia Seminary for seven years and have spent um, much of that time uh, in ministry here as well. And I'm very thankful for y'all and for our partnership in the gospel with y'all. Um, so we will continue in ministry here uh, uh, through June and actually through the National Youth Gathering. So um, uh, we'll be here for Confirmation Sunday on March 1st, and we'll finish out the Confirmation year, and then we will also um, uh, help lead our youth on the National Youth Gathering. So we've got some time uh, in this transition time, and we'd love to be able to, to talk with you all and to, to process this transition with you. 
Um, we do uh, feel very connected to the St. Louis community and to this church. This is a very sad uh, transition for us. Uh, so please keep our family in prayer, even as we're praying for y'all as well, and for the transitions that will happen here in ministry. So thanks for that, and thanks for the opportunity to share that this morning. Uh, may God bless you as we worship today. Uh, we begin our service by singing together the hymn, Christ is Made the Sure Foundation. You're invited to stand to sing.
Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, imploring him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a troubled and penitent sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities with which I have offended you and for which I justly deserve your punishment. But I am sorry for them and repent of them and pray for your boundless mercy. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, be gracious and merciful to me, a poor servant. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die and to rise for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all of your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God and bestows on them his Holy Spirit. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Lord Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, because it was your will that your Son should bear the pains of the cross for us, so that the devil can have no power over our lives, help us daily to remember our Lord's passion and to rejoice in the forgiveness of our sins and our redemption from everlasting death. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
is from the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forgetting the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise. This is the word of the Lord. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out carrying the seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying the sheaves with him.
The epistle is from the third chapter of Philippians. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so, somehow, to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or that I have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We rise in body and spirit for the reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that it would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one they also beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, May this never be. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be honest. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Never in, in history has it been easier to just swipe a credit card or click the mouse button and, and then just wait for the Amazon truck to show up in a day or two. You know, even with inflation making everything cost a little bit more, never in history have so many things been so affordable for so many. And never in history have Americans had bigger homes or storage sheds to keep all that stuff. Did you know that the United States has more self-storage facilities than McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Starbucks, and Walmart's combined? The average U.S. household is around 300,000 items, I mean, from paper clips to ironing boards. U.S. children make up about 3.7% of children on the planet, but those children have 47% of all toys and children's books in the world. The federal government estimates that a quarter of Americans with two-car garages don't use them for automobiles. Why do you think that is? Because we got all our stuff in the garage. So, how about you? Have you recently taken a little stroll through your stuff? And go through your basement or your, your garage or up in your attic or your living room and look at all those things? We've got a lot of stuff, don't we? we got big stuff and little stuff and old stuff and new stuff and summer stuff and winter stuff and Christmas stuff and regular stuff and stuff for the cars, stuff for the kids, stuff for the dogs. There's stuff everywhere. We are surrounded by stuff and we are attached to stuff. Often we confess that we have too much stuff and yet we wouldn't mind to have a little more stuff. Maybe we can rent one of those ubiquitous storage spaces to keep all of our excess stuff. And of course, all of that stuff is ours, right? All ours. Actually, the Bible is pretty clear about who the owner of all the stuff is. There's not, not, nothing necessarily wrong with having stuff, with possessing things, but you've got to keep in mind where those things come from and who the owner of those things is. Because according to Scripture, the true owner of everything, of all the stuff, is God. So when you stop to think about it, we are tenants, not owners. Everything we have is on loan to us, on loan from God. I think we sometimes imagine that we are the owners. And so we come up with things like, you know, it's my money and I can do with it as I please. It's my body and I can do what I want with it. It's my time and I can use it however I wish. It is my life, and I don't need God or the church or anybody else telling me how to run it. Have you heard that? Have you said that? I mean, that's the myth of this age. But the truth is that God is the owner, and we are the tenants. We never really own anything. We're just stewards. And as stewards, we have the responsibility to use those gifts that God gives wisely and to use those gifts that God uses faithfully. He gives gifts in the hope of finding a harvest of fruits. And that would be trust in him and love for one another. 
And that comes when we fear and love and trust in God above all things. That gospel text for today, Jesus makes a point about ownership, a pretty strong point. And a lot had been happening with Jesus lately. Jesus was near the end of his, of his earthly ministry. He'd done a lot of miracles. He had healed a lot of people. And he had traveled up from Jericho to Jerusalem. That was a trip that he made for the last time. And he had been talking often about the future, how he would suffer and how he would die and how then on the third day he would rise. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus heard about the sickness of a very dear friend of his, Lazarus. Remember that story. Mary and Martha had sent word about it. They had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick, that no one could help him. The doctors had written him off. Only Jesus could help. But it seemed kind of like Jesus just dawdled a little bit. He just took his whole sweet time. And when he finally got there, it was too late. Lazarus was dead. And you can hear this frustration in Martha's voice when she says to Jesus, if you'd only been here, Jesus, my brother would not have died. But death is no match for the king of kings. And Jesus raises his friend from the dead. And the Bible says many who saw what Jesus did put their faith in him. Oh, but not the Pharisees. Not the scribes, not the teachers of the law. No, they, they did not see a savior in Jesus. They did not see a merciful God. They saw somebody who was taking away their power with the people. He, he does so many miracles. The people are believing in him. They're starting to follow him. What should we do? We are the religious leaders. We are the teachers of the law. This is ours. And he's taking it away from us. A few days later, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover meal with his disciples. That was no ordinary day. We call it Palm Sunday. We'll celebrate that next weekend. It was a glorious day. It's kind of like a, 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 just a, a national hero had come to town with how the people were reacting. They were celebrating. They were welcoming. And they were crying out, Blessed is he! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! And the children were crying out, Hosanna! Lord, save us! And the scribes and the Pharisees, they were just furious, beside themselves. Tell them to be quiet, Jesus! <laughs> but Jesus defies them. Well, if they kept quiet, the very stones on the ground would cry it out. <laughs> And if that didn't push those religious leaders far enough, that afternoon, Jesus goes to the temple. And what does he find in that temple? He finds buyers and sellers taking the place where the prayers ought to be spoken. He finds cheaters and stealing going on. There's a bunch of thieves in his father's house. And Jesus says, I've seen enough of this. And he overturns their tables and he scatters their money and he drives them out of the temple. Now, if Jesus wasn't in trouble before, he certainly is now. Because now he's hurting those guys where it hurts them the most, in, in the wallet. So the next morning, they come to Jesus, they interrupt his teaching, and they say, Who do you think you are? By what authority do you do the stuff that you've been doing around here? What gives you the right to come into our temple and make a mess of things? 
And Jesus answers them with one of his last stories. It's a story that we have in our gospel reading for today. Usually we call it the parable of the tenants. When you look at that story, when you read that story, the tenants of that vineyard, man, they got it made. They have everything. Everything they need is provided for them. The wall is there, the wine press is there, the watchtower is there. It's all there for them to tend and to use. And I think it's fair to say, to enjoy. I mean, there's not even this, this pressure of a supervisor kind of looking over their shoulder because the owner is gone. They're on their own. And it's theirs to care for, and it's theirs to keep safe, and it's theirs to make productive. But, as the story goes, they blow it. Enjoying the vineyard and taking care of that vineyard and working that vineyard, that wasn't enough for them. The tenants wanted more. The tenants didn't want to be tenants. The tenants wanted to own it. And so in their greed, they beat the servants that the owner sent to collect the rent. They defy the owner at every turn. Until finally no alternative is left for the owner except to send his own son. My son, thinks the owner, he will command their respect. Surely they will listen to him. I mean, he's my son after all. But they don't. Instead, they kill the son. They murder him. So they might have the inheritance. You with the son out of the way, and the owner away from the country for such a long time, a long time as to lose the rights of his property, that whole vineyard will be theirs. The wall, the wine press, the tower, all will be theirs to do with as they please. No more orders from the landlord. They will be the owners. They will be completely in control. And the future will belong to them. And it's so clear, Jesus is describing those religious leaders in this story, and they know it. He's describing the Jews who had killed and persecuted prophet after prophet after prophet that God had sent. And now the son is there. And in a few days, he too would be dead, hanging on a cross, dying because he opposed their power, dying because he wasn't their idea of Messiah, dying because he didn't fit into their religion, dying because they wanted to be the owners of it all. They wanted to be in control. And really, that's the way so much of our trouble begins, isn't it? But ever since Adam and Eve sank their teeth into that fruit of that forbidden tree, at the heart of so much unhappiness, and the heart of so much sorrow, and the heart of so much grief in our lives, is this all-consuming need to be in control, to defy that first commandment, to be our own gods. Don't want to be a tenant. I'm going to be the owner. God has given so much, so many gifts, so many blessings. But like that offering him says, it's not really ours. We give thee but thine own, whatever the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. And we sing those words. But how often do we live 
those words. Especially when we say, hey, this is my life. These are my possessions. It's my position. It's my status. It's my money. Well, we've got other gifts too, you know. Even greater gifts. In fact, some of the same gifts that those religious leaders had. We know our God. We've been given his word. We know his love and his care and his mercy. We have his forgiveness. We have been given salvation. We have the assurance of eternal life. That is all ours. But sometimes we forget that the owner has asked for some fruit to be shared. The workers in the vineyard, they didn't want to give the fruit back to the owner. They wanted to keep it all for themselves, to make that vineyard their own. They forgot the purpose for which they existed. And they killed the son. But the inheritance of that vineyard did not pass to those tenants. Through our baptism into Christ, we have been given the inheritance. We have been made heirs of the kingdom to watch over the vineyard, to cultivate the vineyard, to tend it, to help it produce good fruit. I mean, what an incredible story. The, the call of that father, I will send them my son, my own dear son. Surely they will respect him. Certainly they will receive him. <laughs> but there is nothing in the track record of those tenants that, that suggested that they would do that. Makes you stop and wonder. What, what kind of father would send his beloved son to a bunch of people who had already mistreated his servants. And the parable tells us. The parable gives us this picture of God's patience, of his relentless mercy, of his incredible love, this passionate will and desire to save us at all costs. What sort of father would send his beloved son to a lot of deadbeat, murderous tenants? The answer? God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And again, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Yet again, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. <laughs> what amazing grace. While we were his enemies... Cut off from God, turned against him in rebellion. The Father sent his Son into this world to take on our humanity, to become one with us, to save the very world that would reject him. I will send my Son to them, he says. And they can take away his clothing and his friends and his life. They can strip him of everything. But they cannot take away his desire to love and to forgive his tenants. To love and to forgive you. We know that all good things come from God. 
The good things in life, they are gifts given by his grace. And we are not the owners. He is the owner. But he has called us as his church to be stewards of those gifts that he has given. He has called us to use our time and our talents and our abilities and our treasures for his service and for his glory. We are blessed people who have been given some wonderful gifts. In fact, we have been given grace. That is the greatest gift. But it's been given to us not just for our own benefit, but also to share. That God's grace may extend through us to a vineyard overgrown and desperately in need of attention. For that divine call that invites us again to work in the vineyard, for the inheritance that we have received from the Father, for the chance to pass it on, we say, Amen, Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand as together we confess our common faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed, which is printed for you on page 9 in your bulletin. Together we confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord.
Please stand for prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, we give you thanks for showing us the path of life, for sending your Son, who endured intense opposition from sinners, to return us to God. We say thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, give strength to look forward with hope to all who seek spiritual renewal, leaving the past behind and pressing on to the goal of their heavenly calling in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, you sent your servants, the prophets, and your son, yet they were rejected and even killed. So our prayers ascend for those who serve you here and in other lands who are persecuted for their faith. Quench the power of the evil one, and protect and build in the faith all who serve you, the giver of all good things. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guard us and our brothers and sisters around the world, O Lord, against all those who cause strife, whose acts of violence and terror threaten people everywhere, and who seek to destroy order and peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of hosts, Guard and protect those who serve in the military of our nation and those in dangerous situations. Inspire courage and loyalty in their serving and keep their loved ones in hope and confidence of your care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we bring before you our loved ones who are sick or injured, hospitalized or homebound. We especially remember this day, Carolyn Hanneman, Amy Rogers, and Virginia Doherty's son-in-law, Dan Wells, as he has surgery tomorrow. Lord, grant all the ill wholeness and faithfulness through Jesus Christ, and if it be your will, bring them back to health. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Make our homes places of blessing and love, O Lord, that husbands and wives may honor the promises of their marriage and faithfully care for the children that you have given to them. And help us to honor your gift of life from its natural beginning to its natural end. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we give thanks for all the special blessings that you have bestowed on this congregation, Concordia Seminary, and the church at large through the ministry of your servant, Pastor Jim Marriott. By your spirit, grant him grace, readiness, and steadfastness in his new field of service at Concordia University, Texas. Support and strengthen him that by your word, your church may continue to be built and increased. Bless Pastor Marriott and his family as they soon depart from us. And we ask that you continue to bless the ministry of Chapel of the Cross as we share the love of Jesus with the people of North County and beyond so that all may have a living relationship with Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us ever to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. We remain standing as we, as we sing our recessional hymn together. <laughs>